Hi everybody, uh, this episode again is brought to you by our Life of Education. Uh, lifeofeducation.com is the UAE's only dedicated health and fitness education website delivering health and fitness content to professionals, fitness professionals and fitness uh, just general enthusiasts, anybody and everybody from a variety of sections of uh, from the health and fitness world with talks in areas on nutritionist on nutrition rather um, anatomy and physiology sports medicine female development yoga and pilates strength conditioning uh, the business of fitness uh, many more to be added in the future Allo's mission is to bring leading experts from around the world of health and fitness together on one platform to share their knowledge and expertise on a global scale so one of the sections they've got is going to be female development and what that section is going to basically cover is things like the kind of the female uh, cycle, pregnancy and exercise. Um, there's going to be some people speaking about uh, female youth and training and kind of how young development, uh, young females will develop athletes or not athletes, how training won't make women look too bulky unless they're supporting their hormone system with external hormones um and then sections kind of how menopause affects uh kind of female health and development so that will all be kind of under the female development section slowly building that at the moment um this episode of the podcast today is with emily splickle or rather uh, dr emily splickle and she is one of the leading uh, experts in barefoot science. So she's originally uh, trained as a surgeon in uh, New York. From the, she's from the U.S. Um, we talk about a lot of stuff to do with kind of barefoot training, barefoot movement, the nervous system from the feet up, how your body sort of reacts to uh, to surfaces um, nowadays compared to how they kind of how it's. Uh, evolved throughout its development but yes yeah, so uh, let's yeah let's get on with it um, this is myself Matt and Dr. Emily Splickle again at the MeFit Pro conference um, so yeah hope you enjoy Again with uh, Dr. Emily Spickle at the Silatomifa Pro uh, Summit. Myself and Matt, say hello, Matt. Hey. And then Emily, say hello. Hi. Hi. So Emily, you are all the way. You were in Prague before you're here, but you're originally from the U.S. Yes, I am based out of New York City, and I spend a majority of my time traveling all over the world. I teach education in 35 countries as of date. 35 countries. 35 countries: Europe, Asia, Australia. Middle East. I have not hit South America yet. Oh, really? So, what, so how does your year look then? Like, how, how long are you in each country for? Is it uh, flying so visits? So I generally travel between two weeks and five weeks at a time. And I'm hitting, I'm doing like little mini barefoot education tours. Uh, try to stay within the region so it's easier on my body. Um, where right now I'm on a Europe slash Middle Eastern tour. 
I'll go back to the States for like five days and then I hit Australia and go back to Asia. And what's your original background? Where, where do you hail from? What got you through your sort of fitness education? Yeah, so I actually, I was a competitive gymnast. That kind of unlocked the passion and movement. And then I've been teaching fitness for 16 years, uh, both as a personal trainer, group exercise. And then a couple years into training, I started medical school. And that's where I went to podiatry school, learned about foot and ankle anatomy, still was doing fitness the entire time while going through medical school. And that really opened my eyes to advanced medical way of looking at injuries. However, it was very segregated. And medicine in the United States and many countries, unfortunately, is not taught in an integrated approach. It's not holistic. It's very, you know, treat the symptom, what's the surgery, what's the band-aid, what's the medicine that you can give the patient, uh, which very was counter to my belief system. So I took two years off during my residency, which is pretty risky to do. Yeah, I can <laughs> imagine I, it's long enough anyway, right? Yeah, I could have quite potentially not been allowed back into residency and not ever been able to practice, been ever, ever able to get my license. Well, why is that? So Just because you take too much time off and it's like, okay, you clearly can't remember this stuff, we can't reteach you. No, it's much more about politics and burning uh, a bridge. Politics, <laughs> I had to like, I quit a hospital program and was, you know, like saying, how dare you yeah, quit our much. program. It was a very <laughs> ego thing for the hospital. Um, and then I, but I went back and I got my master's in human movement. And during those two years, I studied barefoot science and barefoot movement and the nervous system. And then that really was what connected fitness, medicine, that bridge. And had I not taken that time off, I would have not been where I am today. I would not be looking at movement the way that I am today. And then, thankfully, I got back into residency. They let me back in. <laughs> and then I got my license. I practice. Um, but because I took that time off and got that bridge, I now built my practice the way it is. I built my education company. I invented a product based on that, that concept. So it really was the best, riskiest decision that I ever made. Yeah, that's often the way it goes, though. Like you just you just go out on a limb, take a leap of faith, and then normally it kind of works out. Or sometimes it doesn't, but then you learn some things, and at least you try it, right? It takes yeah. guts to try. They, they always say, like the scariest things are the most like biggest leaps that you have to do, whether it's changing a job or moving to a new country or something. Um, really, are the ones that create the biggest change. So you have to like face fear head on. For sure. As some of the quotes they say are like, just jump. Like you have to jump. Without jumping, you don't get change. Yeah, so I've done a few of those jumps. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. Uh, so the education is your barefoot training, right? Yeah. So my education company is EBFA, which is Evidence-Based Fitness Academy. And we have three different certifications, one targeted to trainers, uh, fitness more. And it's a barefoot training specialist. We have three levels under that. And then we have Barefoot RX, which is our rehab more medical focused certification and then I have a workout so we try to hit fitness performance and rehab un under the certification and it's all built around barefoot science foot to core uh, much more approach on neuromuscular science right. versus biomechanical science so why would anybody consider barefoot what's wrong with wearing a trainer uh, so that's that's a good question. That's a kind of worms here now. <laughs> that's, that's a very simple question. That's an question. amazing question. You can answer in two words. <laughs> <laughs> However, I try to make it not just about should you have your shoes on or should you have your shoes off. Is more just think about the foot in general. Just take your foot, not footwear, but take your foot in general, 
and think about human movement and posture, alignment, uh, control of emotion, heart rate, like everything is built around that we were designed to stand on the ground and to contact the ground. And really the purpose of our nervous system from an evolution perspective is that we were designed to walk, to move, sure. right? If you think like caveman <laughs> evolving into running and hunting is locomotion or standing upright, what that did, like as soon as we went upright, our brains got bigger. Yeah. So you have to think, okay, what, what is it about being upright and that the only contact point between the body and the ground is the skin on the feet timed with the brain getting bigger? It, they're connected, right? So sure. a big thing that I speak about with barefoot is cognitive performance, optimal coordination, um, body alignment. So to answer your question with the shoes. Yeah, yeah, no, keep going. Is... As soon as you put on your shoes, even minimal shoes, and I love minimal shoes, um, you still create a barrier between the body and the ground or the nervous system and the ground, the brain and the ground. So for optimal movements, optimal developments, optimal you know, rehab, you have to tap into the skin and the bottom of the feet. Right. And it's, it's so powerful. When you do that, the nervous system just falls right back in place to where it kind of wants to go. Yeah, you, you get that like when you put your bare feet on grass. There's like a very sort of cathartic, relaxing sort of feeling from that that you just get. Yeah, so that, that's earthing. I'm the earthing opposite or grounding. To that. I have this, I have terrible skin on the sole of my feet in the sense where if it's not smooth, if it's not flat, and if it's not, ev not uneven, but any sort of texture sh like grass i'll feel it i'll feel it really sensitive my body weight stepping on it will make me like i'm walking on hot coals or you know that feeling when you're walking on the beach and there's some shells i can't walk on them it's pathetic it's like it's embarrassing i have to i'm the guy who's like because uh, 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 it's it does so much pressure because you're that sensitive or does yeah, it emotionally sensitive. evoke something in you uh, he starts crying and all sorts <laughs> no i don't cry but i want to cry this i cry because i'm embarrassed <laughs> i cry because everyone everybody i'm with are suddenly walking 10 meters ahead of me and i'm just like ah, ah and it's just the sensitivity i think in the base of my foot because maybe as a kid i never wore i never mm. didn't wear trainers or yeah. i never didn't wear shoes so there, there's different uh different types of sensitivity from a sensory perspective and this is really tapped into from childhood development um, a big area that I'm also very interested in with barefoot and sensory and proprioception is autism ADHD so thinking like a lot of children right. development cognitive development or emotional autism is almost like an emotional response sure. as well um, has to do with the way that sensory stimulation is introduced to children and babies and we, we get busy, sometimes we get a little like we're trying to do everything and then we're not trying to optimize the way that children's sensory stimulation used to be. Whether it's, you know, put them in a little bouncy thing versus letting yeah. them try to get the information themselves. Um, so it's really important. So I wonder if some of that is because of, you know, you might be sensory sensitive. Sounds like it, right? Um, and then everyone has different responses. Most people are sensory hungry where their, their body is wanting, and then when you do give them a texture or a stimulation, it actually calms their nervous system. That's definitely me. Really? Yeah, it was in like, yeah, I, I did it the other day, like I started teaching a class outdoors. 
and I was waiting around for clients and I was like, I'm going to take my feet, uh, sorry, take my shoes and socks off and just yeah. kind of touch the grass and it's instant. Like it's yeah. an instantaneous sort of feeling of like, ah, okay, this is okay. Yeah. I, could, I could tolerate that but if there's any, like you go to the edge of the grass where the trees are, you know that kind of difference in terrain where there's a little a little stone, a little twig, a little, that's going to, I have to stop. I can't keep going or I'm going to tiptoe and creep across. The grass is fine and marble and carpet, it's all, like, it's lovely, it's soft, nice little furry mat on the floor I can dig. But uh, any little slight uneven or pressure puts me into... <laughs> yeah, it's a big wuss. It, it is. It, I don't want to say a bad <laughs> word, but it makes me look pathetic. <laughs> well, you want to challenge yourself and start introducing yeah. textures like that, right? And then yeah. let your nervous system think okay this is this okay is yeah let right? it calm you're, down. Just, you're creating a stronger response than you should to that texture sure or to that stimulus which means you have to tell your nervous system this is okay but what was the the term you used just before that earthing did you say earthing yeah so earthing is are you familiar with earthing no 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 please okay. like so earthing is based on the science that there's charges your body is full of charges right water has a charge sure. so water has a positive ion and then the charges of the earth, and you're essentially recentering the polarity of those charges in the body. Yeah, sure. So everything is piezoelectric. <laughs> Have you ever read uh, Robert Becker's book, Body Electric? No, it's probably based on that, though. It's exactly based on yeah. that. So I have heard of that in that sense, where he's um, he's basically like repairing bones and stuff by electrocuting them, by, by trying to get the current to match those uh, piezoelectric kind of currents. Yep. And there's even particular currents of injury like when you injure yourself it changes kind of the electrical charge within your body and things like that and well that, that's what like the the magnets are so when people yeah. get motion sickness and they put a magnet on their wrist or something that's the yeah, same yeah. thing it's using charges yeah it's a little uh out there for people to grasp it's sometimes. very controversial yeah like yeah, the medical community kind of lambasted him and kind of shunned him for this sort of research yeah. because it's, it's a very you have to be, have an open mind yeah which right? is rare and if you can't I think for some people, if they can't see it, like if they can't see like, oh, the joint is moving and I see the temperature dropping, I see the, they don't believe it's happening, Yeah. but the body is way more complex. And that's what I try to tell when I teach courses or I teach, talk to my patients is the body is way too complex to be like, oh yeah, it's just this equals this equals, yeah. no, yeah. no, 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 no. We have a very reductionist <laughs> view of things in the world. There's a guy, um, this guy who will fit performance bikes uh, for cyclists from, works out of Singapore Toby, Toby Jones he's uh, Bike Fit Asia he uses magnets to, to align to people I don't know exactly the ins and outs of it I've not, been, I've not seen him do it but he's, he's told me briefly about it and put it in the right area shift the right um, the crank one way or the other move the pedal up or down move the chair and then you get a huge performance increase but a lot of his work is something to do with magnets and, and, and understanding the charges of people's systems. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's that's really what the science is to like the deepest core is it's an electrical, you know, ion that's released that lets yeah. your muscle contract. Mm. <laughs> but it's interesting that it sort of comes stems from the earth, like this sort of magnetism, because that was, I think, back in the 70s. So the, a colleague of this guy, Robert Becker, he was part of the Soviet space program. And he was saying, like, look, I've designed this thing that you can put on astronauts that will mimic kind of the magnetism of the earth and it will stop the atrophy of the bones of mm -hmm. the muscle. But again, like it was blockades at every sort of step, you know, so. Yeah. So when you walk on the earth, make sure it's a little bit wet. Right. Okay. Right? Just to increase so like the, the dew in the morning. 
okay. on the grass yeah, nice. because the water conducts that electricity more. Is this a morning routine of yours now? Uh, no, I live in New York. No, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. no grass to go, right? You're the crazy the lady walking around the streets gym. with no <laughs> shoes on. <laughs> People do, but there's just no grass where I am. Who's the, uh, the, the he's the, kind of the guy who sort of really popularized the barefoot training. He's a professor at some university and he runs around the block in bare feet to do it. Do you mean Daniel Lieberman? Yeah, maybe him. Out of, he's out of Harvard. Right, kind of like a crazy older guy, right? Why? Well, you're you recording know. calling That's him crazy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but he, I just remember watching this video of him just running around Harvard University just in bare feet around all of the roads and stuff and people looking like, who's this guy? Yeah, he's an anthropologist. So That's the him. Yeah, so I like to read uh, different perspectives. Like if you read a biomechanist's way of looking at human movement, it's interesting. Yeah. Versus looking at an anthropology way of looking at, at it. Someone who's a neuroscientist, someone who does a yogi, someone yeah. who's a... Right? So I try to not go to just fitness conferences or, or something. I try to go to like all these different practices and then you hear different different words, different approaches, and then you bring that back to your practice, and it just changes the way that you look at things. That's something I, I try and tell PTs all the time, is I like, don't just read training books, because there's so much out there in like the world of biology and physics that is so applicable to training that it's crazy, you know? Or in anthropology and all of yeah, this yeah, stuff, exactly. for sure. Yeah. So talk a little bit about, about the match that you have. Yeah, so I just developed uh, a company that's called Naboso, and Naboso means barefoot in Czech, and it's a proprioceptive material that I patented. And that material is put onto a training mat. So, you know, those who are listening can picture like a yoga mat. Sure. That size, but it's not a yoga mat. Um, and what it is, is it's intended to stimulate the nerves in the hands and the feet. It's based on research. So the texture on it, the height, shape, distance of the texture, the hardness of the mat, matches the research that shows what's going to stimulate the nervous system the most. So if you stand on the mat or you train on the mat, you rehab on the mat, whatever you do, you are tapping into the nervous system through the feet, just in the way that I was speaking about, but in a very targeted way. And why that's important is that if you've been in shoes for years or you have an injury or you're older or you're a child, you need help stimulating those nerves. Sure. It's almost like they're understimulated, or if you tune out of your feet for years, you're just like, I, you know, your nervous system doesn't really sense them anymore. Then you need help to get your feet to reconnect, or your nervous system to reconnect to your feet, and that's the intent of the mat. And then under Naboso, we also have insoles. So we have a proprioceptive insole, cool. so that when someone is walking around in their shoes, which shoes inevitably make you slower, the proprioceptive stimulation will be making you faster again like it's it's truly mimicking being barefoot in the greatest sense from a neuromuscular perspective right okay yeah. um and like how, how did you like when did that idea kind of pop into your head like what, um, what were you doing at the time so two and a half years ago so i started it this is almost the end of to that beginning of 2015 and it took me two years and I kind of joke in the beginning of my lunch, it took me two years to make a yoga mat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Like, like, come on, why does it take that long? <laughs> but um, it had to do with making sure that the material we used conducted vibrations if I needed to. Um, it had to be hard enough. 
yet not abrasive to the body, right? So I had to kind of meet those kind of conformities. It rolls like a yoga mat, so I had to think of the functionality of that. And then the design of, like R&D, just, yeah. you learn so much inventing something. Yeah, sure. And were you, were you doing this on your own, or did you have like a little no, team I, of physicists I, and all sorts? No, I have so. a, a material engineer. Right, I see. So he, um, together we did it, but I used his yeah. brain. Yeah, sure, <laughs> On sure. the side of, you know, how, how can I make this vision come to reality while he understands different materials? I don't know material science. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you should have seen some of the first ones. It yeah, was I bet. really interesting. Like they would just like, I would wake up and they would grow. Right. <laughs> they would just be bigger. And really? I was like, how the heck did that happen? Or they would leak out like an oil or they wouldn't be hard enough or they wouldn't roll or they were heavy. It's So how does the mat transfer vibrations? I mean, is it, is it connected to a... This is going to sound like a silly question. Is it connected to something? Is it the mat by itself? No, so I, I wanted that. Obviously now when you bring in that side of engineering that's gonna like bring up the price um so what it is a certain hardness that when you do dynamic movement on a wood floor it's gonna allow the transmission of vibration okay versus um uh, there's actually studies that look at traditional mats like a yoga mat or like a a mat you do abs on or pilates yeah right and then that that's too soft that it's actually blocking the proprioceptors in okay. your feet. So a lot of people will take off their shoes and do barefoot training and be like, yeah, I'm barefoot training, I'm stimulating my feet, but they're on the wrong surface. And that, to me, that w that's really why I developed it. Because I was like, okay, you you're, you're got to the point that you're taking off your shoes, you believe in barefoot science, yeah. and you're just trusting, because you don't understand it to the detail that you should, or yeah. your trainer doesn't, whatever, um, that you have to train on the right surface. And I started learning that because I would go around and teach, and I would teach on a lot of AstroTurf. And it, it did nothing. Like, I was so disconnected from my feet and my nervous system, and I was like, okay, this is, this is not a good surface to be training barefoot because yeah, it's so too what, soft. What are the surfaces? Like, what's the, the what are you looking for? The ideal yeah. surface would be a hardwood floor. Okay. So thinking like dance studios, basketball courts, um, if a group exercise room is suspended, Right. Right. Like you don't want just to put wood on concrete and then, I mean, that's really hard on the body. Yeah, for sure. So you need something that's going to allow the, the actual vibration of the wood to go through and then into your nervous system. So that's ideal. Yeah. So um, what about a weightlifting platform? Uh, yes. That's okay? Yes. And then what about the cushion part of the weightlifting platform? Where the weight is dropping, you mean? Yeah, that kind of br uh, black mm, rubbery texture. Yeah, so then that that's going to... I'd have to go on it and test it. And you right, can actually okay. test them. There's, you can test vibration anyway. transmission. No, I'm, just I'm just wondering because a lot of gyms have that floor wall to wall. Oh, well, I see. So, yeah. Right, yeah. So if you have the rubber, like a thick rubber on concrete, yeah. which is that's what most gyms have yeah. now. Basically, yeah. Right? Um, the rubber element of it is there to absorb the excess yeah. vibration from the concrete. Okay. But it's really absorbing almost all of it. So if you're doing... Thinking like dynamic or CrossFit or yeah, yeah. Yeah. plyo type things on that floor, it's actually really hard on the body. For sure. Really so there's, hard. But there, so there's basically no benefit then when we're training in bare feet doing squats? Or? Uh, well, dynamic barefoot is, is what I'm talking about. Okay. So if you're just standing there doing bicep curls barefoot or squats, like static squats, not like a squat jump, yeah. um, then it's fine. 
But if you start doing dynamic, anything jumping or ballistic, that's where you have to start thinking of the surface. Sure. So any jump landing, you have to be careful. So so yeah. when you say be careful, are you uh, is it tough on the body in a like stressful on the tissues or the nervous system is struggling to understand what's happening? You're fatiguing the nervous system. Okay. So then when you fatigue the nervous system, it might be a little bit technical. Go for it. Whatever. We'll try. We'll um, see. <laughs> we'll so see how far we get with so you. Whatever. So <laughs> you every every tissue has a tissue stress threshold and your goal for reducing injuries is to stay below that threshold so every human being will break at some point even if you train them to be you know superman sure. if you if you have repetitive stress and you exceed the time that the tissue needs to decrease that acute inflammatory response and the micro tearing and all that good stuff that we're sure. familiar with yeah then eventually like that's how you get tendonitis so the goal of never getting hurt is to constantly go under the radar of this tissue stress. Stress, because it makes you stronger, but allow recovery so that the body can decrease that acute inflammation, right? kind of remodel the collagen that it needs to. And that's really why if you think of like running, runners have so many injuries because they're, they're not allowing sufficient tissue recovery. They okay. keep pushing that threshold, and then the body just can't remodel that fast. Um, so, uh, I actually can't remember your original question. Uh, <laughs> the question was talking about the, the stress on nervous system the or nervous system oh, the nervous yeah. how you get it. Yeah, sorry. So that was the point of this. Um, oh, no, keep going. Like, yeah, sorry. Nice, so if you're doing something dynamic on like concrete or the rubber, the excess of vibration from concrete because concrete doesn't doesn't take you sure. want the surface to absorb vibration so your body your tissue your bones have to take that excess vibration you sure. if you have excess vibration that passes that tissue stress mm -hmm. that's where you would get a stress fracture right that's where you would get plantar fasciitis achilles tendonitis shin splints yeah so um if you think of kind of the timing of the nervous system the nervous system stiffens against the stimulation, sure. which would be the vibration, to absorb it into the connective tissue in a, in a good way. Yeah. If you're not fast enough with your nervous system, it kind of dissipates into the tissue not controlled. And yeah. that's yeah. really how you get injuries. Okay. So any patient that comes to me and has stress fractures, I know right away that they either exceeded that tissue stress level or their nervous system is not reacting fast enough. Right. right. And then my training is built around that. Yeah. I, I seem to remember there being some sort of study that looked at uh, child weightlifters who were weightlifting bare feet and it, it seemed to cause this, uh, this, this kind of flat-footedness in kids just because of, I guess, for that exact same reason where they're going in for like the second pool, they're landing constantly uh, without kind of trainers on or the kind of weightlifting shoes. This is bare feet and it was causing all these like flat-foot cases. Oh, there was a study that looked at that. I think so. Yeah, I haven't read it for years, so I might have oh. got that completely wrong. But I seem okay. to remember, yeah, discussing with my old weightlifting coach, and because well, he always used to say, like, wear weightlifting shoes, don't go barefoot when you're doing. Well, the this. thing with that is, so uh, with powerlifting or Olympic lifting, yeah, right. So I will have I have a few Olympic lifting patients, and I actually make them orthotics. So even though I'm like the barefoot, yeah, yeah, know, sure. But I interest. Some people, well, they'll come to me and be like, "Wait, you're recommending orthotics? I thought you were so." Yeah. Okay. But it's. 
it's really understanding the stress to the body in that. Yeah. That I'll tell Olympic lifters, do your first rounds barefoot. Don't be in Vibrams or Nike Free. Like any shoe like that, it's technically soft. Yeah, soft is not good. Soft disconnects your nervous system. So yeah. either you have a hard shoe or no shoe when it comes to Olympic lifting. Yep. Almost like sprinters. Sprinting cleats are hard. Right, yeah, because yeah, they want to sure. get that information super fast. If you were sprinting in like a Nike Free or something with even a little bit of cushion, you would be slower. Yeah, you, right. Or you would get injured. So if you warm up and do your first few reps of lighter weights, Olympic lifting barefoot, you're activating your nervous system. Sure. So that that's how I want them to do it. And then when they start getting up to these higher weights that are you know, couple rep max, it's too much load on the the human body, the human yeah. tissue cannot resist that much that I say you have to be in a rigid orthotic in your rigid Olympic right. lifting shoe. And, and a, a weightlifting shoe, like a standard weightlifting shoe would like do the, the trick? Like the actual, you know, the flat bottom. Yeah, 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 the like drop. the heel. Yeah, 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 yeah because yeah. you, I mean, that's a very specific sport sure. that requires those mechanics. Yeah. Does that mean everyone should use a drop in Olympic lifting shoe? No. <laughs> yeah, got it's you. sport specific. Yeah. Right. And sports are not necessarily um, good for the body. They're not sure. intended. <laughs> Preaches the choir there. <laughs> right. Right. So, but that's part of, you know, I I do uh, circus stuff on the, like I'm not a clown. Right. I do like Cirque du Soleil circus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so like uh, handstands and. You know, I, my circus coach, he, there's like three or four huge circus schools in the world. Like Germany has one, Montreal. So you're thinking like Cirque du Soleil, right? So some of the best performers in the world yeah, yeah. that exceed human potential of what you think you can do. Yeah. Um, it's all based on the goal of that sport or that art is defying what the human body can do. Yeah. Because that gives you the, the shock value. So an Olympic lifter in the same sense is doing that it's trying you watch it as entertainment because it's exceeding what you think the human body can do oh the freaks right yeah. so does that mean that everyone should be lifting in that heel toe drop like they are no it's sure. just like not everyone should be doing like bringing their head their legs over their head in a yeah, contortion yeah, yeah, yeah. thing absolutely <laughs> and i think people need to understand that yeah people right. always get carried away particularly when it comes to like shoes and uh, gadgets and things like that they're like i just want it it's new, something new. I can spend my money on it. I want it. What are yeah. your thoughts on the five finger shoes? I love them. Like yeah. that's that's what I train in. Um, there's and your some training is what? When I when I'm in the gym doing sure body weight stuff that I do. Right. A um, couple reasons why I like Vibram is obviously having the dexterity of the individual digits, mm. allowing them to splay and just get a little bit more connection to the ground. Your toes are really important for function and it's the connection of the toes to the ground that activates the nervous system. So the digits are huge. Yeah. And then the more splay that your digits have, it actually triggers the fascial connection through the human body. So um, I have, when I do lectures and I show pictures like cadaver dissections of the foot, and you can see how complex the fascial web is in the foot. Sure. It's way more complex than any art, any other part of the body. And, and that's complex. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But because it's a weight-bearing area. So the fact that it's weight-bearing, it's even different than the hand. Like the hand and foot, you can do some comparisons, but they're not the same. Sure. And they, they shouldn't be 
looked at or respected in the same respect them both but sure, respect sure. them for their individual functions Goals. right and um yeah it's just fascinating to see that 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 web of connection yeah, 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 and how sure. it feeds feeds from the ground so how would you say that the, the for a gym stuff for general kind of moving around the gym the five finger toe shoes are okay when you're training yeah when you're training if you uh, meaning not you're a trainer training clients when you're training your own self yeah because i do get trainers who they want to be the look of natural function right so they're in the gym they want to be barefoot or minimal in the gym because they're what you practice what you preach yeah. right however we spoke about the flooring in gyms yeah that's not natural and to stand on that floor it's essentially concrete that you're standing on all day yeah, yeah. and i get so many trainers who train all day busy eight 12 hours right however many clients they have and they get the worst achilles tendonitis and plantar fasciitis and it's because they're exceeding the natural physiology of the body. We're yeah, not intended to stand all day yeah. on concrete. You know, your your nervous system is designed to move. So you will avoid injury if you just keep moving. Sure. Right? Yeah. So that, uh, that's similar to standing desks. Yeah. Right? So I have so many patients from standing desks. Really? Yeah. Yes. That's or in relation to the lower limb. Plantar fasciitis and Achilles tendonitis. Right, no, just not back pain and that kind. Of, so somebody who's I mean trying that is that as well. So if you're thinking the whole posterior chain kind of gets affected, they're going to yeah. fall into gravity, so they probably become a little bit more lordotic. Um, yes. However, they come in also because I'm a podiatrist, so they're specifically saying like, "Oh my God, my heel hurts so bad, I cannot stand. Like I have this sharp pain, like someone's stabbing me in my heel." You know, that's that's huge, and that's directly related to the they're standing on concrete. It, well, is that because they're they they're just, just going from yeah. having been in a seated position for ages no. and then it's, it's just it's an just unnatural. Right. So, if anyone is switching to a standing desk, you want to stand, but you have to now become a fidgeter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Right? Like, yeah, you need yeah, to. So, put something. Plus, I would also say stand. Uh, I, I guess this is where you could make the argument of would you want to stand with an orthotic so then it's supporting. Even though it's right, so but either I way, the principle is still you're not moving. Right. So I would say, either take off your shoes, so you can probably get some of that earthing side of yeah, things yeah, to cool. stimulate the nervous system. To have a desk but outside on the grass. <laughs> exactly. We'll that see moves how many up and down. Moves up <laughs> and gives you a foot massage. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, while you work. But ideally, if you had, if you had to be in your shoes, have you know like those calf stretcher. Like right. a step that drops down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So have something that you could almost like drop a foot this way, drop a foot this way, shift into back. inversion, right, right, right. shift this way, or like do 10 squats every hour. I don't know. You have to do, yeah. right? Um, or if you were barefoot, have a golf ball, a tennis ball, something that you could constantly, but sure. you want, if you stand like straight, like military, yeah, yeah, <laughs> straight yeah, yeah, of course. for your working day, you will get plantar fasciitis because that's not natural. We, we need to to move yeah it's that pendulum right people always they sit down for too yeah. long and they're like right i'm just gonna stand all day long you know and they always sort of take it too far the other way as well that's interesting i didn't realize that so then yeah. so running would you run in a five finger toe like a recreational runner trying to do a 10k um concrete running yes but you have to train your body the right way to do that so that means incrementally stressing it 
and then taking the time off. So I usually give my patients who are transitioning to that a 48-hour window. So run and then don't stress it for 48 hours. Allow that that acute inflammatory window to go down and then you re-stress it the same amount as you did prior and then again give it that 48 hour window and then you can either increase each run that you do between that 48 hour window or you can do the same stress but shorten that window a little bit okay right so it takes a long time to ramp up your your running Mm, in that case even though 10k is not too too far so it shouldn't take that long to get to like a 10k um where i'm a little bit hesitant would be like a marathon yeah, sure. So if you're running that far, the the rate of people who get injured at that is higher. Yeah. So I would say do your shorter runs in a Vibram and then your longer runs in a more traditional or transitional, still minimal shoe, okay. but not that minimal for the running. And then again, it's based on foot type, right? Um, I remember when the Vibrams first came out, there was this New York Times article about bone marrow edema. Right. And it was like, oh, Vibram shoes increases bone marrow edema, which means inflammation in the bones, the metatarsals sure, on the sure. foot, um, in runners. So people are like, oh, Vibrams causes inflammation in your foot, and that's what leads to stress fractures. I'm like, that's just a natural response. If you run or if you hit anything, if I like kick a tree with my shin and I hit it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to get inflamed, yeah. obviously. And then. That's the stress, and then I back off, and my body is going to make my shin stronger. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. And then I stress it again. So when when people saw that article, they like freaked out. So many people stopped wearing Vibrams. That's part of the lawsuit around it as well. Yeah, yeah, certain yeah. injuries and things like that. And then I remember some people saying, "Is aren't you aren't you concerned of all this like bad press around barefoot and Vibram is like hurting your company?" I'm like, no. She strengthens it. It shows how much education has to be out there. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, the New York Times reporter knows nothing about the human body and function. That's why they're writing something kind of like gravitating like that. But it's like, um, no, any stress causes inflammation. If you go to the gym and you lift weights, that causes inflammation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Life causes inflammation. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then you just back off, give your muscles the time to recover, and then you get bigger muscles. You get stronger. Like, it's the same thing. Sure, sure. Right? They're just kind of interpreting it different. So, um, Vibrams, there's nothing wrong with them. You just have to understand, like, hey, I stress the body, I back off. Remember, 48 hours is that window, Mm -hmm. and then re-stress it. See how you respond, right? Accumulative stress without sufficient recovery will cause injury. Yeah. Which is true of anything. Yeah, gotcha. That's just just anything, right? And, like, you lift weights. You love, you know, doing pull-ups. If you do pull-ups every day and you keep pushing the limit of the pull-ups you do every day you'll get bicep tendonitis like you'll yeah. you'll get something right so yeah. then how shifting slightly reflexology poking and pressing the cell of your foot to fix uh, an internal part of your brain or your torso what's the do i believe in it where you, where do you lie where, do, where do i lie with that so i'm pro reflexology Partly because I get so much of it when I go to Asia. Right. <laughs> and, I go, and I'm like, part of their belief in Asia is that it's actually like a, a, a critical piece to 
health and vitality is reflexology. So most people in Asia will get a foot massage, for lack of a better word, but it's reflexology, um, like once a week, right? I don't know if you've ever been to Asia and see, it's like usually locals. Yeah, like yeah, It's not yeah. a touristy thing, like yeah. going in there and get foot massage. Uh, and they're always busy and it's cheap because <laughs> yeah, they're doing sure. it. Yeah. They do it. It's They want it to be affordable because it's that important and everybody is going to do it. So um, when you look at the research of it, from a Western perspective, they're a little like, how is this doing anything, right? This is just a massage. Like, it's not just a massage, but they'll show a decrease in blood pressure, a decrease in stress markers. Your um, nervous system shifts into a parasympathetic style. So then you start going, okay, there's an autonomic nervous system response from reflexology. That then goes back to the Eastern belief of mind-body connection, meditation, right? All that stuff. Sure which is so powerful and I build that into my practice. So there's some that then start looking at reflexology as a way to increase your vagal tone. Sure. So that's how I try to build it into my practice is, you know, you don't have to go to reflexology, but if you could release your feet on like a golf ball or something, you're still stimulating the nerves in the feet because they do connect to the subconscious side of your nervous system. So just explain the vagal tone, just very... So you have your autonomic nervous system, which is sympathetic, which is the fight or flight. And then you have parasympathetic, which is the rest or digest. And then you actually have a third branch of the autonomic nervous system, which is the enteric nervous system. So sure. that's all the gut. So mm -hmm. your gut brain axis is linked to um, the autonomic nervous system as well. And you can think of the autonomic nervous system as the subconscious side of the nervous system that controls digestion and heart rate and breathing and all, everything that keeps you alive. <laughs> and then all of that is, con is linked to emotion. Like yeah, that's yeah. the key thing that people want to understand is that yeah. all of that links to emotion. So when it comes to um, vagal tone, your vagus nerve is the largest part of your parasympathetic system. So when you're talking about these subconscious patterns, a lot of it is controlled by the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve goes everywhere and it goes all the way down into the feet. So when the term vagal tone means that if you're stressed out, you get a fight or flight stress response, sympathetic. Yeah. And if you can quickly drop your nervous system back down, to like a, okay, I'm cool, everything's cool. That's what you need to do. So, you know, life is stressful, but if you can handle that stress and kind of balance your nervous system that you're not always like hypertensive and anxious yeah, yeah, up yeah, here, of that's not healthy, you need to like release and set your baseline. How quickly you can reset your baseline, that's called vagal tone. Sure. Right. So uh, there's so many different techniques for increasing vagal tone. I like the barefoot way, obviously, because mm -hmm. it yeah. matches my brand. Of <laughs> course. <laughs> <laughs> it's my thing. Um, so it actually has a very powerful emotional side. Anything with the autonomic nervous system links to emotion. So then I can start to say, hey, you know, really reconnecting to your feet links to your emotion mm. and the way that you balance your state. Your happiness, your yeah, if yeah. you're depressed versus anxious versus content, all of that's linked to your autonomic nervous system. Sure. And is that then where the reflexology kind of gets its credence and its yeah. support? Yeah. Yeah. So when they're showing, you know, heart rate drops, breathing slows, you know, I don't know if you've had reflexology, right? 
uh, once years ago, yeah, when I was in Vietnam, I had a little go. But yeah, oh, though, okay. I enjoyed it. I liked okay. it. You know? Did you? Not as a specific, I'm going to press here, but we're going to fix this. But I've, I often get a ball on my feet and I'll go and just roll around on the sole of my foot with a... Okay, cool. So yeah, ball. you should try like traditional foot massage is mm -hmm. usually what they're, they're explained as. Um, and they'll have like a little stick that they'll dig in the foot in certain places. Those are obviously your reflexology points. You will fall asleep. Like I will always go and be like, okay, I'm, I have an hour to do some work. I got my phone and then I'm just, I pass out. Yeah, within, gone. Like, so there's clearly something related to that. And then something kind of similar to that as far as the power of the feet is there was, I was at this anti-aging conference thing, whatever. And one of the guys was talking about, he was uh, like ICU, critical care. Um, I think he was a neuros neurologist something along that and he had a patient that was had a really bad injury was in a coma and like they were trying to get him out and he would he always touched his patient's feet and he would just like because instead of leaving them under the sheets he would always yeah, touch sure. it as part of it and one of the guys actually recollects that like he really? was in the coma but he recollected the touching of the feet yeah. and so this guy was speaking that he was a neuro neuro scientist or neurologist about why that was so important and why he would do that with his patients so it's really fascinating on that yeah the human body is a weird thing do you know how it connects and the complexity it's not weird it. it's fascinating <laughs> oh, it's fascinating <laughs> yeah well, no, weird in a cool way like yeah. you know what I mean like it's uh, I always wonder like in a you know we're sort of here talking about it now what will come about in like 10 years 20 years time do you know what I mean and like the as we sort of unearth all these different things and all the things that seem controversial now will just kind of seem obvious kind of in a couple of decades yeah time, think of know? like almost fascia yeah, like yeah. Fascia was like fascia. Yeah. I still had. I, I've wow. met athletes who still don't believe that fascia exists, and oh I'm like, goodness. what? Like, what? <laughs> See it? Like, you just, yeah. you know. So, what's uh, what's happening for you today? What's your talk on today? Uh, this morning, I spoke about um, what was called tuning in. So, I teach people to tune into their nervous system, and that's a lot about what we spoke about: is needing optimal sensory input from the feet to control movement, and I base that around movement accuracy. Yeah, yeah, like sure. Your movement has to be accurate, right? People don't think of these yeah, terms yeah, yeah. necessarily. Um, and then uh, this afternoon, I'm speaking on reflexive stabilization, which just means that how your body stabilizes when you move needs to be fast. Mm -hmm. And to make sure. it fast, you need sensory stimulation. What time is that? 2.30. 230. Yeah, we'll try and get that. Yeah, and right is that it for today? Have you got one tomorrow? And then tomorrow morning, I'm speaking about run injury free. And that whole basis is, of course, sensory mm -hmm. <laughs> as well. Um, and trying to get runners to start anticipating their movement yeah. and anticipating the impact. Um, a big, big belief on how I look at movement is that you have to, if you don't anticipate the ground and you react to the ground, which is what most people do, yeah. it, your, your body is not fast enough. Sure. So you have to be one step ahead of the look movement. Yes. Um, and that's with like everything. Like most people in personality, like if you have a really reactive personality, you like overshoot. Mm. You over respond to people's reactions versus chilling. You're like, yeah. you're in control of your environment. That's how I want people to be moving. Um, and then my fourth one, which I'm super excited about, is the anterior pubic joint, which is talking about deep core muscles right. and how there's a lot of injuries of the deep core, groin, adductor, pelvic floor that are misunderstood. And it goes back to the same thing, which is yeah, rate yeah, of yeah. stabilization. Okay. So 
cool. most of what I speak is it, it kind of loops in. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll definitely try and get in for those. So then where can people sort of get you online or where can they follow your stuff? Anybody listening? So I have uh, my website for my education company is ebfafitness.com. And then I have a blog, which is called barefootstrongblog.com. That's easy. And then I wrote a book and I have other... What's your book called? Barefoot Strong. Barefoot Strong. Easy. It's <laughs> a theme here. So go, yeah. right? <laughs> strong with bare feet. There, there's a pattern, yes. Um, if you essentially just Google Barefoot Strong Emily... Is that what your t-shirt says? You will get. Yes, there you go. Are you barefoot strong? On brand. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. then you got to stick to your brand, right? Yeah, we try. <laughs> barefoot strong. Um, and then Naboso is Naboso Technology. That's the mat. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And then you have, uh, do you have an Instagram? I have all those social what's, platforms. What's so your Instagram? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, either Naboso. Yeah. <laughs> EBFA. They, they link off of that or I'm uh, DR Emily DPM DR Emily DPM cool awesome All right. well uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your time in Dubai thanks for coming to speak to us yeah, yeah awesome. thank great. you um, we'll, uh, we'll put your info and your website link in the blog post when we, when we set this up and then we'll share it across whatever we can yeah I hope people enjoyed the oh they definitely will hopefully yeah. light bulb or yeah. little there will be just some really Eye-opening. that's our whole aim is just give people little golden nuggets of stuff that they may not have known about and then if it tricks that part of their brain where they want to pursue it it's all online and we just try and ex- expose people to those things that they may not get yep. cool alright awesome. awesome all right. well thanks. thanks thanks Emily thank See you thank you guys bye bye